firmly believe, you know, Canada can be the world leader in innovation. And what's the biggest advantage Canada has right now, besides our awesome leadership in technologies like AI and quantum, our biggest brand attribute on the planet on a relative basis right now is trust and trust matters. When big tech is not trusted out of the United States and it's not, not trusted out of China and it's not, you know, can we be the place where trust is built right into technology? Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited today because I have the Chris Albinson joining us on the Afternoon Tea podcast. And Chris, before we get into the nitty gritty and all the fun stuff, let me just set this up if you please. Chris Albinson is the president and CEO of Communitech co-founder and managing director of the Breakaway Growth Fund and visionary founder, visionary founder, I do mean this, and past chairperson of the C100. Albumson has been an early investor in impactful companies, including Pinterest, DocuSign, Newbridge Networks, and Juniper Networks. Chris is a mentor and or advisor for Techstars, Garage Capital, SAS North, and the Canadian Innovation Exchange. Earlier in his career, Chris was general partner at uh, JP Morgan Partners and earned an MBA from the Ivy Business School. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me some afternoon tea. Excited for the conversation. <laughs> well, you, you did say you're in a coffee shop in Ottawa, and I've got my tea, so I hope at least you got something warm to keep you, to keep you happy there. I had hot toddies last night. It's a little cool and a little rainy in Ottawa today. I would imagine it would be. It would be. I, I won't. I won't flip over and to see. You know, to show you the sunshine and actually to know that uh, Musk is speaking right now, just a block away. Um, so I'm sure we're going to hear some some very interesting slash nutty things about uh, Twitter and all that because uh, he has the platform. But this is your platform. So you know, there's one quote that I love that I read. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great content I can read about you, Chris. But one quote I loved was that you said. Snow and solitude make, make for great thinking time. Very Canadian. Why is that so? Well, um, you know, it was, a, it was a reference to last February and uh, sort of a reference to, you know, uh, former uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, the first, uh, when he did his proverbial walk in the snow to kind of figure out what he wanted to do. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been really fortunate to work with some amazing Canadian founders for the last 12 years and uh, see their growth and Toby and Shopify and others uh, that were just absolutely awesome. Um, and uh, kind of, you know, after being 20 years in the valley, um, I was uh, at my cottage in February walking in the snow and kind of thinking about what was next and got uh, a text message from one founder and then, you know, noticed a couple of voicemails and so Michael Litt from Vidyard and Toby from Shopify and Dax DeSilver from Lightspeed saying, hey man, you wrote this crazy blog post about how Canada has this opportunity to be the leader in world innovation. Um, why don't you come home and help us do it? And the uh, combination of the, the quietness of the snow and, and the, you know, the crunch of it underneath my feet and a couple of text messages and a voicemail, like they, they probably had me at come home, uh, to be honest, but, you know, thrilled, thrilled to be back a year now. Well, I love that. I mean, I, I, I just imagine that Canadian identity. Unfortunately, here, it's usually puddles and splashing in Vancouver instead. But uh, um, that is so cool. Well, Communitech, I mean, legendary organization. Um, tell me about the organization and uh, your mm. role with it. Yeah, it's a pretty cool, special place. It was uh, founded by founders for founders 25 years ago. Um, you know, so that, you, know, you know, folks like Tom Jenkins, the founder of OpenText and, and others coming together saying, hey, look, if we're going to have success, we need to work together. And that's really the core ethos uh, and the power of the thing. 
Um, you know, we've now uh, grown pretty considerably. Uh, so we serve 1,600 founders uh, coast to coast to coast um, and uh, do everything from early stage, um, you know, idea to, um, you know, early company formation through scale up and uh, just now launched uh, what we call the True North List, uh, which is uh, the 174 companies that are the best in the world. Um, that happen to be Canadian and knitting them together. So at scale companies uh, so that they have success and uh, really leveraging their networks, their expertise, um, you know, big focus on peer learning um, and peer support. But we do things on the talent side um, in terms of attracting talent uh, to Canada. So just a funny story uh, during the middle of the pandemic when no one was in Times Square and you could buy a billboard for almost nothing, which is kind of crazy to think about. Uh, we, we bought a billboard and said, hey, you know, got H1B problems, you know, and you want to build something big and awesome for humanity, you know, come to Canada. And um, that uh, billboard got 45 million media impressions uh, through wow. the United States and the U.S. Congress at hearings on a little old Communitech, you know, trying to pull in international talent uh, from the U.S. to Canada. So we, we do a lot of fun things at Communitech. That's that's incredible. I love that. Well, you know, you, you shared that you're you're in Ottawa because you got some you know good news for for the continued success around community tech. Did you want to share that? Yeah, no, happy to do it. I, you know, one of the biggest challenges, you know, back when I had my five startups, um, you know, you know, going back forty years, is uh, Canada is a great place in terms of building awesome startups. We do a terrible job of uh, buying our own stuff, and um, I think when we came through the pandemic, there was this realization that. You know, we couldn't get mass ship from Minnesota. Uh, we need to actually be a little bit more self-reliant. Um, and to do that, we need to use Canadian innovation to solve Canadian problems. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we were able to kind of say, hey, look, you know, if you look at it on the buy side, one of the challenges is not that they don't want to buy Canadian solutions. It's just that the IBM rep and the Cisco rep, you know, are standing in front of the person making the decision and have been for five years. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of look out at 17,000 awesome venture back startups we have in the country and they just don't know where to start. So it's like, hey, if we could bring companies that are objectively in the 1% highest performing private companies on the planet that happen to be Canadian that you can buy from with as much confidence or more confidence than you're buying from mm -hmm. IBM or Cisco, that would be a cool thing. And so we decided to attack uh, healthcare first as a vertical. Um, so, you know, we spend about $40 billion every year across the 27 most innovative hospitals in the country. Mm -hmm. We said, look, we know you want to buy Canadian solutions. Tell us what the common problems are that you have. We'll go find the companies, mm -hmm. get them right in front of you, get their solutions into production, and then celebrate the hell out of that to the 2000 hospitals across the country. And having successfully proven that we could do that, um, they said, hey, what about cities? What about municipalities? What about D&D? What about CSIS? Um, and so we built the deepest data layer uh, in the country on the 17,000 venture-backed startups mm -hmm. and basically teamed that right up uh, for procurement. Um, and it was awesome. really great to see the federal government saying, hey, go do more of that. Well, you're creating markets, you know, you're creating a local market and, um, and uh, well, that's, that's just a win-win. Well, you know what, to continue raising that flag, mm. uh, you know, uh, which, which I'm so proud of and clearly can see from the back you are too. <laughs> you're going to say true north strong. I'll say from sea to shining, shining sea. Uh, but we're talking about the same thing here. Now, I am very proud to be a member of, 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 of a group that you, 
um, help found, uh, which is the mm -hmm. C100. I like to refer to it as a whole bunch of superly amazing hoity-toity people plus me. Um, but can you <laughs> tell me um, about the creation story of the C100? What was behind that? Yeah, so um, yeah, just to kind of put some time around it, it was 2008, um, so Nortel had gone bankrupt, mm -hmm. BlackBerry had gone down. Um, there was basically no venture capital in the country at all. And, um, you know, I was at an event uh, with our consul general, Stu Beck, um, in uh, Palo Alto. And, um, you know, there was basically this conversation about how innovation was dying, you know, right, you know, right in front of our eyes. Mm -hmm. And talking to Canadian founders that, you know, you know, their companies were shutting down left and right. They were running out of money. Um, and, you know, I think we all know the story of, you know, the U.S. catches a cold, Canada catches the flu. Well, in mm -hmm. 2008, the U.S. had the flu. Um, and, and so we're like, man, that's awful. And then Stu Beck, um, you know, put his hand on my shoulder and Anthony Lee's shoulder and said, Hey guys, can you help me fix this? Hmm. And, um, I had the pleasure of going to India with Thai, um, which is the Indian dispor group that started in Silicon Valley about um, 10 years prior to that, um, mm -hmm. in, uh, 1998. And I was just amazed about the, you know, the, how ideas and capital and people flowed back and forth between India and the Valley. Mm -hmm. And Anthony had done something similar with the Israelis, an organization called CICC. And, uh, you know, we just didn't know, you know, if Canada or Canadians would actually care. Um, uh, but, you know, there's an expression in the Valley, if you're gonna fail, fail fast. Um, so this is pre-LinkedIn um, also. So like we kind of, we all knew a couple of Canadians but didn't know exactly who they are or where they were. Um, we invited 50 people to show up uh, to the founding of this organization. Uh, 85 um, came, and we said, "Hey, look, you know, look for the pleasure of having the passport and everything that's meant to you and your family and your life. Like, Canada needs you, um, and it's time to step up and time to give back and help Canadian founders have success." And so, um, 84 of the 85 wrote a thousand dollar check that night um, to get the organization off the ground. So that was the do Canadians care? Well, well, we'll ask them to write a check uh, for the pleasure of giving up their time and their expertise. We want you to give us some money to get it going. And they did it. Um, so it was a great sign and uh, just amazing to kind of think uh, back now, um, 12 years later and the $75 billion that, you know, those startups uh, that we've worked with have raised and in mm -hmm. companies like Shopify, I, I was in the meeting in, in San Francisco when, you know, a US venture capitalist said you could never build a company to a billion dollars in revenue to our best entrepreneurs and told them just to give it up and come to the Valley or go to New York. And the awesome thing was all of those entrepreneurs, you know, basically got out of their seats and said, F you, we're going to go do it. And, um, and then for Toby and Harley to build a company to a billion dollars in revenue faster than any company before since on the planet, mm -hmm. you know, um, just, you know, we're going to go get it done and it's exciting. That's awesome. Well, so many amazing companies came out of 2008 too. It's, you know, it's that kind of that crisis, mm -hmm. like people, that was a theme I've actually caught from speaking with people um, mm -hmm. on, on, on the podcast is 2008 is a year of creation. And I, I'm really pleased to hear that, that, you know, the creation of, of, of the C100 came out of that too. And, and if you look, I mean, those who aren't too aware of the, of the organization, you really should look at the pride that's been created, but also, you know, like you said, the capital flows, the opportunities that are created, the goodwill uh, that's created. Um, but if you just look at some of the companies who went through like 48 hours in the valley it's just mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty incredible it's almost a who's who and then to see a lot of those leaders 
come back and pay it forward after. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you see them because I've been I've been really lucky. I, before I was a member of the C100, I actually went down to two of the, the 48 hours in the valley just as an observer and was just blown away by the, the, the kind willingness to help. That, that's the mm -hmm. thing that, you know, because I've talked to lots of people in the States and like, okay, what's in it for me? There was zero of that. That was, what mm -hmm. can I do for you? And, you know, the fact that you're able to create that magic, um, you know, the little Northern uh, pixie dust is, is, is just incredible. Well, you know, why don't, why don't, I'm just going to ask you, can you share any like special event or activity or something that you've done within the C100 that made you go, wow, this, this really is an incredible group? Um, it was probably the second year in um we're doing you know what what was really sort of our big um formal launch and this was post linkedin 2010 mm -hmm. um, and then the cool thing we found out was it was actually a canadian on the c-suite of every nasdaq 100 company mm -hmm. um so the influence paths you know there were i thought there were seven of us that were venture capitalists in the valley that were canadian it turns out there was 52 of us um so it's really cool that you know this little tool called linkedin um, and to your point, you know, Derek Camp was uh, from Calgary was founding Uber um, mm -hmm. around that time frame. Stuart uh, uh, was uh, founding Slack at that time. Michelle Zatlin was founding Cloudflare at that time. All of these companies now worth in the tens of billions of dollars. Um, so there were both, you know, really good venture capitalists, great uh, founders um, that were, you know, building great companies in the valley. And then also great uh, venture capitalists, and you could basically put them all together in a in this really trusted space. Mm -hmm. um, and this is what um, we were very fortunate to have Vish Mitra, who's the founder and chairman of Thai, uh, be on our advisory board early mm -hmm. on, and honestly gave us the playbook. Um, as did Shirley Gulley from um, CICC, and allowed us to really move fast. But to answer your question, that the 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 cool moment was. Um, uh, we had all those people in the room, all very accomplished, uh, right? Um, and about 15 minutes into the into the into the meeting, Sean Pruden uh, from from Victoria um, stood on a chair. So to give you some context, Sean Pruden was 25 years at Apple, runs the App Store for for Apple worldwide, has basically launched any product that matters for Apple. Mm -hmm. um, you can't think of a uh, you know, more impactful, accomplished executive uh, from a Silicon Valley point of view. And she starts singing the national anthem. Love it. And we all joined in and tears were flowing down. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> damn it. Like, you know, we're going to like go, go build some awesome stuff for humanity and do it together and support each other. And it was just, that was a pretty special moment uh, for, for me. That's incredible. That's incredible. I mean, you're talking about the power of the 11th province, okay? Uh, as, as we know, in uh, John Stackhouse's book, Planet Canada, How Our Expats Are Shaping the Future, I assume you've read this book because I've seen suggestions around it. Why is this such an influential book? Um, you know, I think John really thoughtfully, uh, and, um, you know, RBC was a great partner of ours at C100, and, um, you know, Dave McKay, um, you know, is a really interesting leader uh, for a Canadian bank. I think he's the only engineer um, who's uh, you know CEO of a large Canadian bank, and mm -hmm. and and he he kind of got tech. Um, you know, friends with Tim Cook sat on the board of you know Visa. You know, understood that you know stepping into um, that role at RBC was um, you know both a really great privilege uh, and opportunity for him in his career. But he asked me to pull a dinner together in Silicon Valley the day before. 
he stepped into that CEO's seat and said, look, can you bring, you know, the smartest, you know, Canadians in the Valley together? And I said, like, well, you know, Dave, you're, like, you're running this multi-billion dollar organization, like what the heck? And he said, like, I'm worried that it's going to be gone in my tenure, right? And I need to understand sort of the speed of innovation and the impact of it. Um, so I, I just think he's a really special leader. Um, I think one of the reasons why he's got Stackhouse uh, on his team over there. Yep. And John, who came from the Globe, really talented writer, um, was sort of along that journey with us. And he was just blown away, I think, as all of us were, were, you know, the power of this community, the impact of it, um, the success we were having, and then the willingness to connect uh, and work together and what that benefit um, really could be for Canada. And so was really pleased to work on that book with John. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a really fun read for those that haven't read it. So I highly encourage you to do it. And um, the, you know, the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm in a chapter, um, as my mom says, two before James Cameron, she's like, how the heck did you get two chapters before James Cameron? What's that about? I have no That's idea. Amazing. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a great read. And, you know, the Israelis have figured this out before us, as did yeah. the Indians. And um, the, the cool thing from my perspective is just to your point, how willing, you know, Canadians are to, to help each other out, um, to have global success. It's, it's really fun to be involved in. Uh, it's it's awesome. And, you know, you talk about the chapter, I mean, there's a whole chapter dedicated to the C100 and the work that you've done. And it's, it really is a, an amazing read. And um, I, 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 I challenge, I, I honor, I say, hey, you know what, go buy the book, because we deserve to have this type of literature gathered that isn't, you know, just pure intellectual, it's actually good reading, um, and good business reading too uh, about the power of what yeah, we can John, do together. John's a great storyteller, you know, so oh. it's, it's, a, it's a fun read. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, I'm, I'm, we, we talked a little bit of hockey uh, beforehand. Mm-hmm. I'm a parent of two teen hockey players. My daughter and son uh, both, both play. And I just, the second I saw the name of the growth fund, the breakaway growth fund, mm-hmm. I figured mm-hmm. there's got to be a little hockey flavor in there. Um, is, is the name, is it, is it, is it, is it a uh, hockey? I mean, we got the hockey stick and now we got the breakaway. Is that what, um, how you came up with the name? Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and it actually kind of connects to another kind of fun story, if I could mm-hmm. share. Is, um, Please. Uh, you know, I was at the Salt Lake Games in 2002, and I was really lucky to be um, at that gold medal match when the you know, Canadian women beat the American women. You know, our first gold medal in hockey in 50 years, just to remember. Um, you know, so, you know, and, 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 and the excitement uh, for our women, it was like, honestly the best hockey game I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen mm. some good ones, but it was just amazing. Cause if you remember our Canadian women hadn't beat the Americans, I think in three years, in mm. three years mm-hmm. coming into the most important game, um, you know, ever on their home ice. Right. Um, so that was, that was pretty fun uh, to, to see live. And then um, really the next day was um the most interesting thing, which is it was a pretty intimate game. So it was post 9-11. And so you, you actually, you know, not too many people were able to go, but if you went, you could actually mix in the village with the athletes. Um, and really? so um, I remember talking to like our bobsledders and our downhillers and our, our curlers. And they're like, you know, like it was really cool. The women won the night before, mm-hmm. but there was just like, why isn't Canada the best in the world? Like we should be the best in the world and like that was like this moment like you know like you know finally like Canada wants to win and you know there was um Kathy Priestner as a Canadian we don't nearly talk nearly enough about was there also um she was a a silver medalist in speed skating uh, but she was only uh, back in I think Munich um 
uh, but she was there on the Olympic committee. And she, she went a step further. She said, like, not only why are we not the best in the world, but why are we not? And um, I'm not going to do her work justice, but she basically said, look, you're never going to be the best in the world by doing participation. Um, you know, for those of us that are old enough to remember the flexed arm hang and how painful that thing was. But um, and she said, hey, like, you got to use objective data to find the athletes that have the probability of success and then put them together, you know, in these high performance centers. And if you do all of those things and get the stuff that's in their way, out of their way, they're going to have success. And so Kathy Priestner was the architect of Own the Podium. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the reason why we went from fourth quartile performance in every Olympics before Vancouver to first quartile performance. And, um, you know, I owe her, a, you know, I think all Canadians owe her a debt of, debt of thanks because she, she said like, you know, like, you know, we're, we're going to do a very un-Canadian thing. We're going to go win on the global stage and that's what we should be doing. And um, we're now doing that in innovation, uh, which is really fun to see too. Mm, mm, no, I love that. I mean, there's, it's okay to win. You know, and we should be proud of winning because I remember that. I mean, the Olympics in Vancouver, for example. I mean, it was mm. I, I'm, I live in Yaletown or I lived in Yaletown at the time. Just the party, the pride, the, the, the excitement of the, the entire thing. And the fact that we were winning, um, you know, is amazing. Well, you I mean, you've touched the Olympics. You've got it. And this was actually mm. one of my most interesting looking into facts about you when I was doing a little bit of research was that your uh -oh. father. Oh, I got I got to talk about this because I think this is super interesting. Okay, so your mm. father is a professor of sports psychology at Queen's University, mm. the co-author of the Mental Game Plan, and spent a decade coaching Canadian Olympics. I assuming how to mentally prepare to win. Um, mm -hmm. How did this influence your sense of competition and fair play? Uh, well, that's a, an awesome question. My dad dad's been a huge influence on my life. Um, mm -hmm. I remember being a teenager. You've got teenagers, so you know, like. You know, anything you say to your teenagers as a dad, it's like, oh my God, the guy's just kooky as all, all get out. And now he was like talking about breathing and mental preparation um, and visualization. And like, you know, this is before, you know, everyone, well, at least as a teenager, I thought he was absolutely crazy. Um, you know, but, but the interesting thing, like his whole work was like, you know, the, you know, the difference between the number one athlete in the world in their sport and the number 12 or the number 15 is really not athletic, uh, you know, nine times out of 10. It's really about how they mentally prepare themselves, um, you know, for those, those big moments. And so, you know, some of that stuff, even though I said he was crazy, actually kind of sunk in. Um, and, you know, this idea of, you know, Canadians can um, go and compete on the world stage and, and, and be the best in the world. So that, that ambition, if you will, and like, you know, let's go out and explore the world because you know he went to every olympics from munich all the way to la so mm -hmm. you know going all over the world and, and helping uh, our our olympic team uh, but also like the the thoughtfulness of like what's the work that you have to put in um to to have that level of success and like it just doesn't happen um and so you know i, I keep i keep a copy of his book actually on my bookshelf uh, to this day it's a it's not as good reading um, as Stackhouse. He's, he's a professor, so he's not a storyteller. But um, you know, it's it's you know, I think you can still get it on Amazon. It's worth worth grabbing. It was the first text on um, on uh, you know mental prep in sport, and so really he's the father of that field, and uh, you know something that uh, you know, he he can be very proud of and should be amazing. Amazing. And the father of Chris Albinson. So we, we're, we're the father of many great things, I suppose we can say here then. Um, well, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I was watching a documentary. I, I 
you know, you don't look at me, you probably think that, but I'm a big skateboard fan too. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was watching a documentary or it was a Ted talk actually from Rodney Mullen, what he was talking mm-hmm. about because he was such a, like he never lost is you start competing at one point and it's not about winning. It's about not losing. And mm-hmm. I, it, this, that mental side of it. I mean, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm just blah, blah, because I was just thinking about mm-hmm. it when you're saying is I wonder at what stage is it that you become so good? Like, you know, you've got the, the Shopify's and all that, that it's mm-hmm. not about competing anymore. It's just not about not losing. And do you mm-hmm. think maybe that was what, you know, maybe some of that was with Nortel or some of that was with, uh, you know, um, uh, um, Blackberry or, you know, maybe it was just mm. the fact that they didn't, they didn't innovate too. Um, but uh, you know what? I'm just blah blah here. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of into the conversation I, I think, myself. I think the, I think the, anal- the analogies are um, cr- crazy and often, right? Um, and, and are real, right? So um, if you look at the best performing companies on the planet mm-hmm. they still have they're still founder led they're still mm-hmm. founder driven um and you know whether or not you talked about apple when you know tim was you know, took over and the difference between or when scully took over then when mm-hmm. steve was running it um and the level of innovation and and interesting things that came out of it um, you know the same thing with shopify you know being you know led by toby um and so you can say like these are very unique humans that want to compete on the world stage and are driven to build big things that are highly competitive. Um, you said that Elon's in the, in the building, uh, you know, next door, but mm-hmm. you know, I've often said, um, and I, I say this with full admission of being, you know, having had five startups myself, you know, like the, the difference between being an entrepreneur and crazy is a very thin line and we often cross over it. Uh, but uh, you, you gotta have a little bit of ability to go believe things that mm-hmm. on the face of them, you know, shouldn't be believed um, and, and have that conviction. Oh, that's, that is, that is so correct. I mean, I, I always say there's those who support the company who are great, you know, at doing it, but they're never like we, we hire, for example, Jose, he's awesome. He, we actually hired him as the CEO of our company um, just because he's so good at the details. He's so good at, you know, the stuff that I'm not good at, but at the end of the day, I'm not sure he would have founded the company because I think you have to have that, that vision of, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to worry about failing. I'm not going to worry about any of that stuff. I'm just going to do it. And if I fail, I'll do it again. You know, it's a, right. it's a very different mentality. Maybe, maybe I need your dad and the breathing habits too. Uh, uh, <laughs> with me, that, that'd, that'd be helpful. That, that would definitely be helpful. Well, you know what? I, one thing that I thought was super interesting is that you recently brought the TSX to Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, can you tell me about that? And also what's the, is it much of a different experience? Cause I saw you also did it in 2012 when you rang the bell at the TSX with the C100. Mm-hmm. Was it different at all? It was um, in, a, in a pretty important way. So I'll, I'll tell you um, a little bit of a backstory. So John Baker's uh, founder of DTL, you know, one of our, our true North companies, highest performing companies in the country um, mm-hmm. was getting ready for his IPO. And, you know, we, we had a, a quick conversation um, before the IPO and he said, you know, like, I'm not, a, I don't think I'm even going to go. Um, and, you know, this was like when COVID was like complete lockdown. Um, and I'm saying, John, like you've built this company for 20 years. You're about to take it public. Like it was heartbreaking to me that he didn't have that moment with his team to celebrate. You know, I, you know, I still have on my desk when we took Newbridge public on, on the New York stock exchange and, you know, our flags on the outside and the poles wrapped, you know, it was Christmas time. And I've got the, you know, the picture of when I took my other company, Digital Island Public and, and the team all together, you know, NASDAQ ringing the bell and, um, this pretty magic moment and we're celebrating and it, and it just didn't happen uh, for him mm-hmm. because of COVID. And then 
we were talking to the TSX um, about uh, you know becoming a partner with us on True North, and, and really thrilled um, that they were really excited by doing that and getting behind you know Canada's best companies, and thrilled to have them as a partner. And um, I said, you know, I, I got a crazy idea for you. Like, you know, if you if you if you've seen these market opens as I had to your point, you know, when we did the TSX open in Toronto, um, it's a really nice facility. It's a really fun you know event to go to. But then you kind of realize it's it's a green screen, you know. Um, mm -hmm. with some confetti machines um, with all the people you care about. You know, that's, that's what it is, you know, both for the NASDAQ and for the TSX. And I said, why not move the opening and come to Waterloo? You know, our companies had just raised $3.2 billion in 14 months. Uh, that's more than the previous 14 years combined. A little bit of change. Um, we had these amazing companies that were growing really strongly and having huge impact and really thrilled to kind of celebrate them. And for John um, and his team that had kind of missed that opportunity earlier because of COVID, it's like nothing better than having, you know, your hometown there, have him, you know, open the market, have all these other founders behind him and kind of celebrating, you know, his success and um, all of the success. And so, you know, to the, you know, the first thing that TSX said, oh, no, no, we can't do that. Like, that's not gonna happen. I said, I don't know. It's a green screen. Like, put it on a truck and say, "Well, you know, like market opening stuff. Well, we'll do it on a Monday, and you can move the stuff, you know, on a Sunday. We'll have it all set up Monday morning. We'll put it back on the truck, and we'll be back in Toronto by Tuesday, no problem." Um, and uh, you know, to their credit, they said, "You know what? Like, why not? Like, let's let's go get behind these awesome founders and celebrate the heck out of them." And um, you know, the only funny thing is actually was happened right in the in the space right behind me, and we had this you know, big screen and like all the founders signed the wall, uh, which was pretty awesome. Mm. Uh, and the only, the only funny thing is the TSX was like, hey, where did you guys get those confetti cannons? Your confetti can cannons are bigger than ours. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. It's a Waterloo thing. It's a Waterloo yeah. thing. You know, like we, we, we build stuff, you know, like, you know, if you're going to build stuff, build it big. <laughs> that's fantastic that's fantastic I, I really love that well what again I, I really enjoy doing a lot of the research into into you know figuring out some some good questions for you and one one article that I read uh was a quote that you said that Canadian AI community will not be building killer robots mm. why do you believe that I mean we're, we're famous for our AI why not killer robots thank god yeah I, th I think um you know, there's a we're in an interesting moment um, you know, for the first time in 25 years since the crown of global innovation moved from Boston, um, moved to Silicon Valley, it's moving again for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's unclear where it's going to go. Um, you know, is it New York? Is it Singapore? Is it Berlin? Uh, but I, I firmly believe, you know, Canada can be the world leader in innovation. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the, th the interesting things about why the Valley won versus Boston back in the mid nineties is they didn't do it by being Boston. They did it by being different. And I think Canada wins also not by trying to be Silicon Valley, but doing it our own way. And what's the biggest advantage Canada has right now, besides our awesome leadership in technologies like AI and quantum and the awesome uh, companies that we've got and the awesome talent universities we produce, our biggest brand attribute on the planet on a relative basis right now is trust. And trust matters. When big tech is not trusted out of the United States, and it's not, not trusted out of China, and it's not, you know, can we be the place where trust is built right into technology? 
Um, and so I didn't invent this, you know, actually, you know, the ClearPath robotics guys, um, you know, in 2014, you know, did a manifesto and said like, we will not build anything that hurts humanity. And um, so like a little bit tongue in cheek, like it's not just AI, it's robotics and all the technology that we're working on. If we can build stuff that's trusted and is good for humanity, I think that's an advantage for us. Um, and allow our companies to grow. And so it's awesome to see you like Jack at Clio out there in Vancouver, mm -hmm. you know, leaning into that as, as much as Martin Bashiri is at Apply Board. And you just go across the country, um, you know, Mike Litt at Vidyard, all of these awesome founders realizing that being Canadian and building a Canadian company where, where trust is core to it is an advantage right now and leaning all the way in, which is awesome. Completely. You know, I just want to give you a quick exclamation on that thought of trust because I was before, unfortunately, COVID killed this product that we were building, which was actually a facial recognition platform um, for analytics at events. And it was actually going really, really well until, you know, events and COVID. But we went mm. down to Seattle. Um, the, the, the product owner and I went down to Seattle, uh, gave a presentation of, you know, what we're building in front of 200 people. And the one question one of the fellows said from Seattle was, okay, what about the China question? And we're like, well, the China question. So I assume you mean, you know, are we going to be doing stuff with the data? Is there something that you need to be trusted? And, and Ammer, who is the product owner said, look, mm. this is a Canadian solution. Wouldn't you trust us over any of those ones? And everyone clapped, everyone clapped. And just, it made me think, holy crap, that trust is so important that if mm -hmm. we can brand and bottle that, just like what you said, there is something incredibly powerful there. And, uh, just wow. I mean, honestly, when you said that, it made me just kind of think back going, you are bang on about that. That trust is important. I'd say, say our good immigration policies is also important in that, um, 100%. you know, um, but, but, but trust is, trust is everything, especially in products that, uh, you know, might have multiple uses um, or could potentially have multiple uses. Well, Chris, this, this is so much fun. I'm having such a blast, but I have two questions. that I ask it every single um, one of our episodes here, um, you know, because again, the theme here is to, you know, to talk to wonderful entrepreneurs like yourself in order to prepare that next generation of startups. Mm -hmm. um, so let me just ask you first, can you share one piece of advice to help a younger Canadian founder? I think um, the big thing is um, surround yourself with what you want to be. Uh, I was really fortunate to you know, be mentored by Terry Matthews. As far as I know, the only Canadian entrepreneur who built a com you know, company to a billion in revenue three times over. Hmm. Um, and uh, you know, really lucky to have him as a friend and a mentor to this day um, and met him in my you know, early 20s. So I think you know, everyone talks about mentorship and support and, and those, those you know, peer to peer groups, which are good and important, but to be thoughtful about curating that. Um, to actually go out and find the people that are what you wanna be and mm -hmm. uh, get them close to you. I think that's uh, that, that was a, a lesson. And that, and that is a fantastic lesson, I gotta say. And uh, um, well, you know, I have one more and you've already mentioned sure. so many great, play, great, great players in the Canadian field. You know, we've got mm. Dax, we've got Toby, we've got all these people that, you know, I've, I've got nothing but like awe for. Mm. But can you name, maybe without naming those two, because, you know, everyone sure. knows those names. Can yeah. you name or share um, the name of a Canadian entrepreneur or, or founder that you mm. look up to? You know, one of, one of my, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about Terry, um, but um, one of my favorite stories, just to share with you, because it's not as well known, and we should know these names, to your point, mm -hmm. is Judy Hess, the founder of Copperleaf in BC. Mm -hmm. Yep. Ju Judy 
got $4 million. Um, almost nobody would give her money, to be clear, when she was starting her company. The only indigenous venture capitalist in the country was the person who wrote that check and believed in Judy. And she never took a dime after that. I don't think she even used the $4 million and just took her company public for $1.1 billion last year. Mm -hmm. It is singularly the most successful by multiple investment you know, uh, by a founder uh, and return in the country's history. And nobody knows Judy Hess and nobody talks about Copper Leaf. So um, I, I, I think she's just amazing. She's tenacious. She found mm -hmm. a problem and she just wouldn't stop until she, she fixed the problem. And uh, she's mm -hmm. just an amazing founder. It, 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 thank you for sharing that one because that, that's awesome. And, and I agree. I mean, we're really proud of what, what Copper Leaf does out here. And, and, you know, one of the challenges they have is they're solving really big problems, but they're kind of boring problems. But there's a good lesson there is that boring problems could be really profitable. <laughs> like, Amazing, really, right? really profitable. <laughs> well, well, hey, Chris, thanks so much for sharing your time with us today. Uh, I know, you know, you're, you're busy seeing the world, making, making a difference for all of us. And I'll, you know what, I'll salute you for that too. Thank you for making a difference for all of us Canadians. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's been nothing but man, fantastic. And I, I look forward to continuing, you know, with C100 and with, you know, with you and, and, uh, um, just watching your journey and how much you help other people be better people. Well, I, I think the, the, the cool lesson, and this is the lesson of Waterloo. Um, so our, our former governor general, David Johnson, as I was taking on the role, I, had a, I was lucky to have a conversation with him as I was thinking about it. And he said, you know, the, the, the interesting thing that you learn um, working, you know, in Canada and coming from Waterloo region, which is Mennonite country, is if you want to build a big barn, you got to bring everyone together to do it. And uh, it's a, just a lovely metaphor. And um, it's really fun to kind of build a big barn. And that's what we're doing. Let's keep building that barn. Multiple stages from sea to shining sea. We do that, Chris. Well, thank you so very much. Ahoy, afternoon tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you like this episode. And that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at TTT, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at TTT underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon. <laughs>